Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to look together into scripture this morning. Uh, we're on, we're on our, uh, our third part of our series, uh, and uh, where are we going? Uh, and we know that God has not left us on our own. He hasn't just kicked us to the side and left us on our own like we're walking with no lights on a pitch black night. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe you felt that way at times. You felt like you're in a pitch black night and you have no light at hand. And, and, uh, and so you, you're just like, ah, I should have brought a flashlight. Uh, and, you know, we, sometimes we need a flashlight, right, to be able to see in darkness. But we understand that when the Lord reveals himself and he helps us, he brings light to our situation. Uh, Jesus was plain when he said this to his disciples. He said, I am the light. And Jesus can really give us a clear uh, vision when we walk in step with him. Now, in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. No better light than the light that Jesus brings into our lives. And light does some, uh, something profound. Uh, light, it helps us to see when, when others may not be able to see. They may not be able to see some things. And there can be two people in the same house at the same exact time and say the power goes out, the lights go clear out, and, and they both can't see it, but the one left their cell phone somewhere now so they can't find it, and so they're in pitch black darkness. And the other one had their cell phone, so they pull it out, and they figure out how to turn it on, and then they can see where they're going so they don't trip, Right? And so unless you just have a, a flashlight in your pocket, but, but the, the first person ha, has their phone and they can see where they're going. The second person to, doesn't have that light and so they're going to trip if they're not careful that to fumble around in the darkness till they find something familiar so that they can safely walk. We live in a dark world. We live in a dark world, and sometimes it looks progressively darker. Sometimes we see glimmers of light along the way, and that encourages us, right? We, we need those glimmers of light. But other times we can only see the darkness, and, and that's the bad news, right? That's the bad news side of that. Uh, but there are some wonderful good, there is some wonderful good news for those of us that are all in with Jesus, we have some good news as we follow him because he is the light of the world. He provides for us the ability to see in a dark world. Uh, it's only when we see the light, uh, when, the, when the light is turned on that we can really see what's in front of our faces, Right? Because otherwise, it's going to be hard to be able to tell what's out there. there. There are times we really can't see, and we must walk by faith. We've all walked in those situations in life before. Uh, when I used to work on vehicles, uh, there were many times that I had to put my hand in places in the vehicle where you can't see. 
uh, uh, nobody could see back in there, and now technology helps with that, but, but uh, you couldn't see, and so you have to feel around to try to find the part that you're looking for, and then you have to decipher with your fingers what size is that bolt to be able to get the right tools to go in there to take the thing apart. That, that's just the way it is at times. It's kind of like you have to, you have to uh, move your hands around by faith to find the right thing. And, and uh, it's not always easy to be able to do that. And uh, neither is walking by faith when we cannot see. But we understand on one side is what Hebrews tells us. The book of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, these words... He says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we will regularly, uh, just on a normal basis, we'll be required to uh, walk by faith in areas of our lives, right? Right? There's just times that we just can't see the end. There's times that we can't understand exactly what's happening. And it's in those times that we walk by faith and not by sight. But since Jesus is the light, he, he is more than willing to brighten up our path so that we can see where we're going. And, and, and if you're, you were with us last time, you heard the heart of where we we're going as a church. And uh, so it, it may grate against you a little bit at first, but, but we have to understand that Jesus, what Jesus' focus is for the church. I think we even heard in, in that message this morning, but we're reminded by this, you're, you're not called to greatness, but to service. Uh, and the only way, uh, the only way we can really become effective in God's view is if we take on the attitude of Jesus Christ Himself. We have to be able to take on His attitude, and and, and His attitude is there from the, on the screen for you out of Philippians chapter two, verse five to seven, and it says this. Uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, "In your relationships with one another." Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. See, even though he was the son of God, even though he was part of the triune Godhead, he didn't choose to use that for his own benefit. Oh, could our world learn from that one? And then he goes on to verse 7 and it says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And then, then the Apostle Paul says over in verse 8 these words, and he says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Like the most uh, atrocious thing, he was willing to go to that level because he knew he was giving us an opportunity to have a hope and to meet him in heaven. Jesus did that for us. He became obedient to the death. And we understand that obedience is part of that, and it's, part, uh, it's, it's that way for us as well. Paul is telling us that we need to take on the same kind of mindset. We have to be able to take on that same kind of attitude that Jesus had. It's important for us to do that. That's not easy, is it? 
It's just not easy. But we have to be able to learn from that. We have to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to be able to come in and uh, keep us in check. I don't know about you, but I have to do that all the time. Because I'm a human being and I need his direction, need his help. See, we have to be able to humble ourselves and become a servant. Let me tell you this. In our society, in our world, uh, consumers... Uh, we're, we're consumers in many, uh, in many sense, uh, in every sense of the word in America. And really to be able to see what Jesus is asking us to do is backwards. And, and instead of our natural reaction, uh, we, uh, our natural reaction would be saying things like, this, that's my donut, that's my chair, get your hands off of it, Right? Uh, and, and that's not my song, that's your song. And the only way that we can effectively accomplish our mission to love God, love people, and inspire hope is to recognize that you are not called to greatness but to service. And sure, God may do something and, and use our lives in some ways, but, but that's up to Him. And God has called us to become, and, and yes, I say become, because it's that process he takes us through to become like Jesus, to take on his mindset, to take on his attitude so that we can follow him in his pathway for our lives. Not just any old thing, not just something we want, right? But it's got to be something that he wants. Jesus told his 12 disciples, he said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we, we know that his disciples, when they saw things coming down the pike and they knew that, hey, this guy is the Messiah, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, he's got something for us. And so they're thinking, hey, the kingdom of God is now. And we mean now, now. And they're thinking he's going to be the king, he's going to have his cabinet, and they're going to be part of him, and they're going to get to do all these things, and they're going to run the nation, they're going to kick out Rome out of, out, of the, uh, out of the Israel, and they get to run things right? It's, it's so awesome to think of that. But Jesus was saying, hey, look, that is not the way this is going to work. And he was saying that from the very beginning, but they didn't catch it. And we don't catch it a lot of times either. We don't always catch it because then we think, oh, then we can have influence. Yeah, influence is important, but let's be influential where we're at, right? Let's be influential as individuals to be able to share the love of Jesus with the world that we live in. We have to allow him to do the work that he wants to do in our lives. And Jesus also said, the greatest among you will be your servant. Matthew, uh, Matthew 29, 11. And their, their service included sacrifice. The, 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 uh, the early disciples there included sacrifice and they gave up everything for him. And they changed the world. It changed much of the world, and it's affected us even to today. But in Jesus' work of adding value to the lives of people, it's not finished. We all still have responsibility to be able to continue that, adding value to others. We still have to do that to the lives of people here in Topeka and the surrounding areas where God ever put, wherever God puts us and whoever he connects us to, we're called to add value to the lives of others. And you may not be called to greatness, but you can serve. 
that goes for all of us. You know, greatness only uh, makes people notice you but, and myself, but they miss, they miss out on seeing Jesus. If they miss out on seeing Jesus, then we've made a mistake. When we serve it and it adds value to others, when we serve it puts value in the lives of other people, the gospel is about adding value to the life of an individual. It adds to their worth. It adds value to the community. And similar to the last time that we looked at what we looked at what Jesus did, we looked at what the early church did, and then we also looked at some of the things that the church over the centuries has done too. And so we're in that same kind of pattern. We're going to look again at a couple other things. So the first one is this: What did Jesus do? Well, he added value to people, right? And uh, t this morning, I'm going to pull out the New Living, sta uh, New Living uh, uh, Translation uh, here just a second out of Mark chapter 1. Uh, but, but see, we find Jesus, he even touched a man with leprosy to show his value to God, and he healed him. He, he's doing this for this leper guy. And look at what Mark chapter 1, verse 40 says. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And he said, moved with compassion. Some, some translations, they say uh, uh, that Jesus was indignant, but the guy that gives the wrong thing with the way they translated it, most would say moved with compassion. And Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. God worked in that man's life that day. Jesus worked in his context. Jesus worked in his situation. We have to ask God to give us the right words at the right time in the situations that we are living in. Not just something that's prepackaged. You know, leprosy back then, it included several different kinds of skin diseases. And really for them, they were, they were quarantined. <laughs> Do we get that? Yeah, they were quarantined because they, they imparted ritual uncleanness. That was kind of the big thing for them. And lepers could actually attend the synagogue at one point if, the, if a screen was put up. But they had to, they had to enter first. And they had to leave last, right? So they, they made them do all those kind of things. And a, a different picture is presented in a later time, in a later teaching, when rabbis argue you shouldn't walk within six feet on the east side of a leper. Well, that's really nice. Uh, and then they say, if the wind is blowing, you can't even be uh, closer than 66 feet. So they, 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 were, they were like stringent on this deal. And there's another tradition that relates that when a teacher uh, saw a leper, he would throw stones at him and shout, go to your place and don't defile other people. Now that's really kind. It's a rough one, isn't it? These people were marginalized. They were shoved off to the side. They kind of ignored, but not ignored. They weren't ignored, and they were noticed in a negative way. They were left to the side. In some ways, they were just pushed away. But we find Jesus being approached by this man in Mark 1, and Jesus is moved with compassion in the guy's situation. And he healed him. He touched his life.
It doesn't take long to be able to read the scripture and find out that people who have le had leprosy were pushed to the side. But, but when, you, when you meet Jesus, he steps over the line. That's what Jesus did. He always liked to step over the line. Why? Because he was trying to help people understand the reality of life. He was trying to help them understand what the kingdom of God is really about. Because most people didn't understand it back then and most people don't understand it today. I think sometimes we have to be able to get back to scripture for ourselves and read it for ourselves. And allow the New Testament to speak to us. So that we can understand what he's saying. It doesn't take long to see how Jesus handled things. But when you meet Jesus, he, he steps over that place. He, he reaches out with love and concern for this man and, and he actually touches him. Uh, others would have thrown stones at him and, uh, or made him move. Others would have put up that screen and, and so they didn't have to see him. They didn't want to see him. They didn't want to look at him, right? I know it was a separation, but that's part of it too. And they, they, they made them come early and leave late. What, what kind of message did that give to those people? Well, it gave a message. And it, and it said, you are yucky and nasty and we don't want to have anything to do with you. That's what it was saying to them. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not the way it is. You don't have much value. That's what it was saying to them. Yet Jesus reached out to them and he put his hand on him. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples and the crowd around him, this man has value. It told the leper himself, you have value. See, we find something that really takes this up a notch in the Gospel of Matthew. I, I don't know if this is the same guy. I, I don't think it is, but it, it may be. I don't know uh, who, who was healed in Mark 1. But, but look at what Matthew, the book of Matthew says in Matthew chapter 26. 26 verse 6, it says, While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which was poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And we find that even the Apostle John over in the Gospel of John in chapter 12, he even tells us that Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they were all there too at this in this kind of in the setting at to Simon the leper's house. But Jesus not only laid his hands on a leper in Mark 1 to be able to heal him, but he even went to Simon, leper, Simon the leper's house and ate there with him. Now, that's just even crazy to think that he would have done that. Jesus had such an effect on the disciples that a bunch of them also hung out at Simon's house. That's just the way Jesus handled things. This was such a big thing in Jesus' time, but Jesus added value to Simon the leopard's life by joining him at his house. What can you do to add value to another person's life? Just remember, it does have to do with context does have to do with the context or the situation in their life. What can I do? Because what, what you can do in this person's life may not be the same as this person's life. 
and maybe the time and the situation. And so how can we add value to someone else's life? It may be simply open the, opening the door for somebody. It could be that you need to carry something for them. Some may say, that, that's not my job. But, but the, well, it may not be your job. It doesn't matter. But, but, it may, but that's not the attitude of service either, is it? It's not the mindset of Jesus as Paul spoke about in Philippians chapter 2. For us as followers of Jesus, we want to have that attitude, that mindset of Jesus. We need to, and that's, and that's challenging, isn't it? I don't know about you, it's challenging for me. I think it is for all of us because at times, we're, because we're individuals, yes, we're part of a body, we're part of a community, uh, but, but at times we get focused on our own self and then, so then we're not able to handle those, uh, meet those needs around us, right? Or, or to be able to reach out to others as well. And so what did the, what did the early church do? So we see what Jesus did and some of the things, and there's more things that he did, but what did the early church do? We, we know they added value to people, and they did it in different ways. They, they received Gentiles into the family of God. That was a pretty big thing for them at that point in time. And since God sealed them with his acceptance, basically he said, you're mine. So what he did, and, and we find that over in the book of Acts chapter 10, and uh, the Apostle Peter was a guy who uh, grew up eating kosher, right? That's the way he had to do. Uh, and uh, as uh, a Jewish man, he was supposed to eat a special diet and stay away from some foods. But, but the Holy Spirit saw the openness of this Gentile guy, who, the, just a non-Jewish man. His name was Cornelius, and he sent an angel to Cornelius uh, who told him to go send for Peter. He gave him some pretty heavy details of where this guy was at. Uh, and, so, and so we find this. And so Peter then has a vision separately, separate from this whole situation, has a vision. And God spoke to him in Acts chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. And it says this, Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. He's like, What's up with that, God? And then he says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. What does it tell us about this situation? Peter struggled at first. He struggled. He's like, God, I don't know that I can do that. I know what the law says. I know the way I'm supposed to be living, what I can eat or what I can't eat. And he struggled with this. And God was really asking Peter uh, to go to this Gentile man's house, which we don't think anything about it today, but if you are of, of a Jewish background, you know that was a big deal. And, and this meant something more than what a lot of us think about, uh, but, but it, it had some, something to do with this, which meant that he would have to eat unclean food. But then he would have to accept this man who was a Gentile. That, then he would share the gospel with him. And God set, him on the, God set him in order to do this, right? God, put him, God set him in, into motion on this. And Peter was asked to add value to Cornelius' life. And Peter was, was to accept this man who is a God-fearer and share the gospel with him. It doesn't, doesn't, I understand there's times, and we understand that the apostle Peter, he would have been with Jesus. He was a solid, mature believer, and he was stepping out uh, uh, basically like a missionary to be able to reach out to them. But God was asking him to do something that he wasn't very comfortable with. 
Uh, and that, that was challenging for him. And, and Peter ha- ended up accepting this guy. But I don't know. This may have even been t- tougher than uh, Jesus when he, when he touched the leper. I don't know. This may have been pretty extreme for Peter. I don't know. So the amazing part was in the end that God provided uh, a proof that he ex- accepted Cornelius when he came to faith and was even baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, uh, what in the world do we do here? Now these guys are baptized in the Holy Spirit like we were, and I guess they need to be baptized. And so with water, and so they're, they're walking through all these things. This was new to them. That miracle may not have ever happened if Peter wasn't willing to go the extra mile to add value to that Gentile man and his family. You too may find yourself in a situation when the Holy Spirit asks you to reach out with grace to someone uh, and, you, and you just can't handle it. You say, wait, Lord, that's, that's beyond me. Well, it may be. It was beyond Peter. It was beyond him. And so the Lord gave him this opportunity to, to step out in faith. Yet, yet if God is in it, he can put things together in such a way that you will see God work in that person's life. And there was, there was another time we see in the early church adding value to people. And, and this was kind of the painful situation. These are those stories that we know of, these accounts uh, that, that we know of. But, but they helped a jailer come to faith when he was going to take his own life. We find that in Acts chapter 16, pretty significant situation there. And Paul and Silas have been arrested. They've been beating for pre- beaten for preaching the gospel. They end up singing and worshiping the Lord at midnight. Uh, what else do you do when you got chains on? You know, they probably that's maybe that's the way they could keep warm. They, here they're thanking God, thanking God and lifting His name up after they have walked through such horrendous situation. And it says there in Acts chapter 16, verse 26, these words. So suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains come loose. I don't know if the chains broke out of the wall because of the earthquake or if they popped loose at the wrist. I'm not sure. I don't know. But the jailers woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, this guy freaked out. He didn't know what to think. He drew his sword. That wasn't in the scripture, but he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. So before you know it, Uh, Here, Paul and Silas were able to share with the jailer about their faith in Jesus. And that man came to faith in Jesus. And the Bible goes on to say that, that his whole household put their faith in Jesus. God did a wonderful thing, a powerful thing at that point in time. Such an amazing thing that God did at that point. And that jailer, he was going to take his own life uh, once the doors of the jail were open because he knew what the rules were. You lose the prisoners, you lose out for good. And he didn't want to go that way. He thought, hey, it's easier this way. And And yet Paul and Silas added value to him by stopping him and then sharing Christ with him and his whole family. You know what Peter, Paul could have done? He could have let it go and said, oh, let the guy take his life. He's our enemy anyway. He could have done that, couldn't he? And a lot of people would have said, that's okay. Today, they'd have said, that's okay. Same thing. 
That's what they said. He's your enemy. He's the Romans. Why, would, why in the world would you just stop them? Why? Because he understood the kingdom of God better than a lot of people understand the kingdom of God. He understood that. He, he recognized that. That jailer was going to do that, but Paul and Silas, they, they stopped him. Don't put God in a box in your life. We must not put God in a box. It's so easy to say, well, this is the way it should be, this and that. And you have to understand that, that God can open doors like this for you to add value to other people. He can do that, and he will do that when we yield ourselves to him. And sometimes it's not even hard, right? Sometimes we make it harder than what it really is. It's just not that hard at times just to share the love of Christ with people. What will you do when you meet someone who is open, the open to the gospel, but, uh, but you have a difficult time accepting them? That happens to everybody, right? It's because we all come from our own particular individual view and our view of our family and those kind of things. And, and, so, and so we may have a challenging time accepting them, but ask God to help you to find a way to add value to them because there is a way. There is a way. And no matter how small or how big it is, then follow through with kindness and respect and, and let the Holy Spirit teach you because we're all in that place, right? We all need to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us in our lives so that we can follow along with His plan. Cecil Rhodes is a, uh, a very well-known man with money at his fingertips and uh, out of the UK. And, and in fact, uh, his fortune was used to make the world-famous Rhodes Scholarship and he was a, he was a big, he, was, he really was a stickler when it come to dress and how you dressed and all that. Uh, he's a wealthy guy. And so he had this, uh, uh, he had this young man he invited to the, his uh, a dinner party. And uh, the guy's coming, he's traveling in, and he gets his uh, clothes stained and stuff. Uh, from the travel, uh, if you ever traveled, you know what that's like. You're you're on an airplane, you're on something, and and and, uh, and you spill a coke on your on your shirt or something. And so he, the problem was for him is he had to go right to the gut road's house. Uh, he did not have time to stop. And so when he gets there, he looks and he's embarrassed because he realized not only is he in his travel clothes with a stained shirt, everybody's dressed suit and tie, suit and tie, you know, or tux or whatever you call it. And so. And then the next thing you know, uh, Rhodes had noticed the young man's situation. And so he puts like a, uh, he puts a uh, lesser shirt on, we'll say, and a lesser set of clothes. He was already dressed to the hilt. But so he goes back up and he changes his clothes because he doesn't want to embarrass that young man. He comes back down to do that. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to add value to his life. He didn't want to take away from him. And for us as followers of Jesus, we want to be the type of people that add value to other people's lives as well. Let's look at this. What, the third part of this is what, what has the church done over the centuries? Well, we could talk for hours on that, right? And, uh, and as you know, we all want to eat dinner or lunch, so, so we won't do that forever. But they added value to people. There are so many things that the church has done as imperfect as we are, right? As in spite of our mistakes and our misgivings and, and all of those things, that they went to landfills and started churches among the poor in different places in the world. They went to people who didn't have the power to repay them for their kindness, right? 
They shared the hope of Jesus to people who were lost and had nothing to their name. They've, had, they've established food programs to assist a hurting world. And churches come together to put uh, uh, programs like soup kitchens together to assist people. They, they've worked together to form benevolence ministries. They put their time and labor together with meager resources to minister to those with unwanted pregnancies. The church was plant, the church has planted churches or established churches in cities and rural towns. Uh, 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 sharing hope for the hurting, even when Pastor Vogler, who is the co uh, the the co um, uh, co founder of Topeka First, when he he became the executive of uh, home missions with the Assemblies of God after he left the church here and moved on, and he was uh, uh, under his leadership, they planted churches in Alaska all over. He had a heart to reach Native Americans, and he ministered, and their team went to so many different places and planted churches among them because Jesus is the one that gives people hope. Why did he do that? Because people need hope. They need to know that Jesus wants to add value to their lives. Topeka first is called not to greatness, but to service. We're called to add value to the lives of people in our communities around us. How do we add value? Well, there's those three ways we've talked about sharing the message of Jesus and his love for them. What are, what are some of the ways that we need to accomplish this? It's by deploying, deploying life groups. We have a few of them now, right? We've had for a while but also connect groups. Uh, and life groups are small groups that empower us to grow in our faith and to uh, become uh, strong in our faith and strong in our relationships with other believers. But connect groups are small groups with the purpose of connecting to the unchurched and reaching out to them with the love of God. They may have a particular interest or a hobby as a focus and, uh, and engage people. But as with anything, it means participation and interaction and engagement with people to be able to make these things happen. How do we add value? There's other ways we add value too by reaching out in creative ways uh, to meet a need. We, we'll continue to put together special events as we move forward uh, to be able to minister to our communities, and that may come up in different ways. Uh, but also uh, through supporting and continuing this, uh, to being the sponsoring church of Royal Family Kids Camp in Topeka. And so those are things that we're part of, and we, we will continue to move forward. How else can we add value? It's by expand, extending our me, the message of hope through local and foreign missions. We will all, that's always going to be part of us. We'll continue to take part in supporting the endeavors of Convoy of Hope. And Convoy of Hope right now, that's a big deal, right? That, that, uh, there's so many problems with the hurricanes that have come through, not only stateside, but also in, in other nations there as well. 
uh, some, some challenging things. So we will continue to do those things. In fact, this week, I, I, I remember seeing a, a, a picture from Pastor Pam Dagwam. You, you probably saw, you, if you were here like maybe in uh, 2019, he came. He was one of the guys that took over the leadership of the ministry that we were doing when I was in uh, West Africa. And one of their churches that they built here recently, it collapsed from the rains they had. About half of it collapsed. There's those things that happen that we can help and we can support and minister to needs like that as well. So many things. But what are we here to do? Are we here to be great? No, we're not here to be great. We're here to be servants. We're here to see the kingdom of God expand so that the name of Jesus will be, will be known in every nation of the world. Amen. Amen. So that the name of Jesus will be known to our neighbors, not as a curse word, but as the Savior. I think we should pray this morning. And as we do, I challenge you to open your heart up to what God has for you. Maybe for you, it's putting your faith back in Jesus. Maybe you haven't been in that place for a while. And you need to say, Lord, here I am. I give you my life. If that's you here, here today, it's just simple. Jesus, come back into my life. Live in, live in me. Restore me. Give me hope again. But then for the rest of us, as followers of Jesus, we may say, God, here we are. Work through our lives. Help us to add value to others. Help me not to be so focused on my own self that I see that you have others out there in this world that you want to reach with the love of God. I believe God has plans for each and every one of us. He has a purpose for us as individuals, but he has a purpose for us as a church body as well. We're not here just to sing Kumbaya. We're not here just to say, hey, this is a great Sunday. We're here to say, Lord, empower us so that we can live out our faith in the world that we live in today. May you fill us so that we can pour out in the lives of others because you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. We don't want to just stay the same. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we are your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. And Father God, we, we don't understand it all all the time, but we recognize the fact that we need you more than anything in our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us, Lord God. Help us to recognize. Help us to keep our eyes open. Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the one that can help us to see reality. You are the one that can help us to see and to recognize what it is that you want to do. We yield our hearts and our lives to you today. We yield our lives to you today, Jesus, because we need you. And there's a world that's around us that needs you too. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world that we live in. Help us to live for you in a way that you say, yeah, that's my kids. That's my kids. They're doing what I want. We bless you, Father. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.